Welcome to the sermon ministry of River Community Church, a congregation of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church located in Prairieville, Louisiana. Our purpose is to help people live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ. We welcome you to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and to learn more about us at rivercommunity.org. have a Bible, please turn to Revelation chapter 22. We'll read verse 4. This is the word of God. They will see his face and his name will be on their foreheads. This is the word of the Lord. Please be seated. Let's pray. Oh, Father, we thank you for your scripture, which is holy, inerrant. It is edifying. It is timeless. It is good to equip us for every good work. It conforms us to Christ. It is accompanied by your Holy Spirit, which gives us conviction, which gives us hearing. And so, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, that you would be the potter and we would be the clay, ready and supple to be received and formed by your word. I pray, Father, that you would anoint me by your Holy Spirit, that what I preach today may be refined in your word and not mine. Father, that it would be clear, that it would be true, and that it would be needed by your people today. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen. So the heavens declare the glory of God. Amen? At least they're supposed to. I came in this morning about uh, 6 a.m., and it was all dark, and uh, walked up to the church and looked up at the sky, and I could only see one faint, maybe two faint stars. I couldn't see these glorious heavens. They had been diminished because our parking lot is filled with these big incandescent lights that shine down. That is a situation that has been coined light pollution. Have you heard the phrase light pollution before? Light pollution is actually becoming a, a pretty serious thing. It's the, it's the effect that all of the man-made lights that cover this world have on the night sky. You see, all these man-made lights hide. They obscure the beauty of the heavens above us. And it makes us completely unaware. We can't know what we can't see. But it's hidden and it's clouded away. 
There was a power outage about 10 years ago in a town called Ontario, and there's a picture I want to show you that, that will show you a little bit of what uh, light pollution looks like. So the before picture is, is lights on, everything is going just as it's supposed to be. We are generating Edison's light bulbs like mad. And then the power outage comes, and those lights disappear. The first picture in the before, you, you can't see the glory of the heavens. But when all the man-made lights are turned off, suddenly look at that sky. It's gorgeous. Those heavens declare the glory of God. They're uh, for photographers who want to capture night photo- uh, uh, star photography, astral photography. There's a map of the United States of, of where you can go to get black, black and see the sky. And the blackest, blackest place in the United States is Big Bend National Park in Texas. So if you want to see the heavens declare the glory of God, go there. But who wants to go to Texas? (laughs) My friends, ministry is like this. The scriptures declare the glory of the Christian hope. But so many of us have that obscured in the grind of ministry. We live under a haze of what I call ministry pollution. All of the the, the things that, that take our time and our attention. We are in the trenches. Many of you here today are dealing with stages of burnout. Things you, you didn't imagine in seminary that you would get to a place where it's a bit grueling to be a pastor. It's fatiguing, not energizing. Many of you are, are racked with worry about your budget or about your attendance or about a family that seems to be getting closer and closer to the back door. You're struggling with discouragement as you wonder, where is the fruit of all of this? You have your critics who always drop in just the word you need at just the right time. You have confusion. Everything seems so clear. What, what we're supposed to do was, was laid out and understandable, and then you get into ministry, and it's a blur. And so here's another picture that maybe you can relate to. Day one, beautiful, open field of ministry. Year three, You are screaming at a soccer ball. Do something. And you're insane. That's ministry pollution. And so I am here today because I need this sermon. And I can preach best what I know I need. I need encouragement. I think we all need encouraged. The word in Scripture that, that I, I love, and we, we, we gloss past it too fast, is the word behold. 
God loves the word behold. It, it peppers through many of his addresses. Behold. It's a word for emphasis. It's a word that tells the reader, take a beat. Look. Don't rush. See this. We see the word behold in Genesis 131, and behold, everything that he had made was very good. Look and see. Beloved, we need to take a beat and behold what it's all about, to look up and see and remember where it's all going. Revelation 22.4 is the clear sky picture for the Christian. It's the clear sky picture of Christian glory. In this verse, we will have two visions of glory to encourage us in our daily ministry. And they are these, you will be holy. And second... You will behold God's face. Let us take a look at these in turn. Beloved, you will be holy. The second part of verse 24, his name will be on their foreheads. This describes the Christian's glorification. It will be so complete that you will bear his name. You will bear God's name, meaning that you will reflect his holy character. His name will belong on your face like an artist's name belongs on his masterpiece because so perfect will your sanctification be that when someone looks at you, they will say, who is the author of this masterpiece? It could be no one but the Holy One himself. You will bear his name on your foreheads as a son bears the likeness of his father, of his dad, so that uh, all of, of your, your, your dad's contemporaries come up to you and say, I see your dad so much in you. So when we are told his name will be on their foreheads, our nature, who we are inherently through and through, will witness loudly and clearly, unambiguously, we are sons of God. We will bear the perfect Imago Dei. It will not just be restored to what it was in Eden. It will be glorified through the gospel of Christ. And it will be permanent. It will be permanent for me. It means sin is out of my nature. No more guilt. No more shame, no more temptation, no more days of, why did I do that? Those days are over. In this new heavens and the new earth, I will desire and do only what is good and pleasing. 
Do you long for that day? All of us will be incorruptibly good. The currency of our life from that day until they can no longer be counted will be God's glory. More. Our flocks are also in this verse. It's not just our foreheads. It's the foreheads of all God's people. In this vision, we see the fruit of our ministries as we see our flocks who we labor amongst glorified. The discipleship, the preaching, the teaching, the accountability, the praying, the counseling, the visiting, the admonishing, it will not be in vain. You will see its fruit. You will see your flock, God's people, with their, the, the God that they have been raised up with the, his name on their foreheads. Hold fast to this. When you deal with all of the hardships, all of the disgruntlements, all of the seemingly dead ends and, and dry periods, the days of static, the days of, of decline, the days of small things. Hold fast to this. Keep giving your flock God's word. Give it to them in love every way you can. Because Revelation 22.4 promises us that God will sanctify his people. He is sanctifying them now through you fulfilling your ministries. How, how can I be so sure of this? Well, because I'm a Presbyterian. Romans chapter 8, verse 30, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. As certainly as we can claim and see our call and justification, Paul writes, it is certain also that you will be glorified. It is impossible for one whom Christ has justified to fall short of the glorification described here. Cling to your justification. Cling to Christ. And what I have declared to you is yours. So what? You will be holy. You will be holy. That's where you're going. Therefore, seek holiness now. Seek Christ-likeness always. This is the bizarre, surprising thing to me about ministry. This is God's priority for you. Be holy. We can forget that. We can think that God's priority for you is to, to grow the church or to, uh, to, to, to bring in uh, this number of people or to accomplish this goal or that goal. What I am discovering is that ministry is more like Mr. Miyagi's backyard than that picture you were given in seminary. 
You, you know Mr. Miyagi, the, the karate kid. Daniel, he's, uh, he, he's, he's getting bullied, and, and uh, he, he, he recognizes there's, there's salvation for him if he can just learn karate. And Mr. Miyagi is this you know, genius at karate, so Mr. Miyagi is there to teach him karate. Mr. Miyagi says, come to my uh, house uh, the next day, and we'll start doing karate. And he gets there, and, and what does Daniel end up doing? Waxing the car. And then he paints the fence and sands the, the floor. Daniel comes here. I'm here to do karate. That's what I came for. Like, we come. I'm, I'm here to do ministry. He's waxing, sanding, and painting. And instead of all this ministry that we thought we were going to do, God has dropped us into an advanced course of more patience, more humility, more decreasing, more faith, more enemies to love. And you're frustrated. When do I get to the karate? When do I get to the ministry? Beloved, that is the ministry. Your ministry is to bear his name in all you do. Trust that he is at work forming Christ in you and in your flock. Keep at the task, no matter how thankless or obscure or menial. The Apostle John says, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared, but we know that when he appears, we shall be like him, because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. You will be holy but you will be holy not as an end in itself. You will be holy because that is God's essential preparation for the greatest gift of the gospel. The last thing that we are rewarded with and the greatest thing we are rewarded with is number two. You will behold his face. We will see his face. This is the greatest longing of the saints. Moses doing years and years of thankless ministry of, amongst complainers and backbiters and all sorts of plagues and problems. He got to the place, he said, I just want to see your face. And God said, you can't see my face. Because if you saw my face, you would die. He only got to see the back. This gift of seeing God's face is the gift that has never been fulfilled because it is something we are incapable physically. God lives in an unapproachable light. To see God's face would be to destroy us. To see God's face exceeds our, even, even our imagination. This is the reason that the second commandment says we shall not create an image. It's because any image that we have in our mind or that we create is necessarily inferior, reduced and, and, and diminished from the true face of God. You cannot imagine appropriately 
What is the joy of seeing God's face? It's never described. It's only told to us here we will see it. Why is that? Because seeing God's face is, is, is far more difficult than even trying to describe to a child marital bliss. You couldn't, you couldn't make sense of that. C.S. Lewis once said to try and explain to a, a child that the, the best experience that they'll ever have in their life will be in the bedroom with their wife. They are going to imagine they're eating chocolates. We can't imagine it. But let me ask you, in your heart of hearts, what face do you see God having toward your ministry? When you think of God looking on your ministry, what face do you put upon him? Perhaps it's a bit frowny. Perhaps it's a bit withholding. Perhaps it's disappointed. Beloved, I can't tell you what his face looks like, but I can tell you what you will see in his face. You will see the face Jesus sees. You will see the face God shines on Jesus. This is the gospel. By faith in Christ, we receive everything the Son has, including God's joy-filled face. When Jesus began his ministry and went into the waters of baptism, the heavens broke open and God boomed for everyone to hear, Beloved, this is my beloved with whom I am well pleased. The face that God looks down upon Jesus is a face of intense love, joy, and pride. He looks at Jesus with the fullest approval and satisfaction. And when you are in Christ, that is the face God shows you. He says to you in Christ, you are loved and I am well pleased. Not because you have done anything, but because Christ has given you everything. You get that before day one. This is the gospel. He sees you not in yourself, but in Christ. This is what Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verse 23. This is his petition to the Father, so that the world may know that you sent me and loved them even as you loved me. The love that God has for the Son, he says, is the love he has for you. What does this mean today? Beloved, look to his face. Look to his face. 
We spend our ministries looking at attendance and budget and compliments and criticisms, successes and failures. And that's where we find our value. That's where we find our approval. And it leads to one of two places. We either become discouraged or proud. And what happens in a ministry like that? Our ministry reflects our face. Our face. Look to his face. Remember my wedding day. We were old-fashioned. My wife, Becky, wore a veil. She wore the veil all the way over her face. And she actually, we, we agreed that she was going to leave the veil on all the way through the ceremony until the words, you may now kiss the bride, were said. So for this whole ceremony, my wife, as beautiful as she has ever been, except for today, she's just great, uh, <laughs> is in front of me. And the best part was yet to come. When you say you may now kiss the bride, I was able, I was allowed to take that veil and with great delight flipped it up. And I saw her face, the most beautiful face. And when I looked at her face, there was no one else in the room. Oh, that God's face would be the only face that mattered to us in our ministry. 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another for this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Behold the face of God. Behold the glory of God and you will be transformed degree by degree. Brothers and sisters, seek his face daily and your ministry will make him known. And that ministry will last. Beloved, Seek God's face in Christ Jesus and be encouraged in your ministry. You will be holy. God's flock in your midst will be glorified. And you will behold his face. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by this sermon from River Community Church. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church located in Prairieville, Louisiana, whose purpose is to help people live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ. We welcome you to worship with us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. and to learn more about us at rivercommunity.org.